welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Soccer Morning on the air right here, backhill.com. I still keep forgetting that we need to change the IDs around here. It's uh, It's been a crazy couple of weeks, but uh, we are on the air on a Monday. Very excited to talk to you about soccer today. Lots of things happening uh, over the weekend uh, around the globe. Obviously, results out of uh, out of England that affect the English Premier League title race. Uh, Spain, Germany, Italy, the United States of America played a game. Lots of things to talk about. I got a, an expansion update out of St. Louis. Well, not, maybe not an update, but certainly an interesting response from uh, from a St. Louis newspaper man as to whether or not the city should be trying to build a stadium for Major League Soccer. You touch on that certainly. Whatever else is on your mind, uh, Omar Gonzalez with his first goal for Pachuca. Anyway, that's all in the news. It looks like we have plenty to ta- plenty of time to talk to you today. It looks like the phone lines are going to be open for a good long while here on a Monday. So get ready for that. Let's start uh, with the rundown of the news. The United States men's national team beat Canada one nothing on Friday night at the StubHub Center thanks to a late goal from one Josie Altidore, Columbus Crew winger. Uh, Ethan Finley providing the service for the goal. The United States outshot Canada 16-6, to but struggled to create a real threat to the visitors' uh, goal. And uh, San Jose goalkeeper David Bingham getting a clean sheet and his first cap for the United States men's national team uh, in the victory again. The United States, not, not, oh, not, not impressive in that game. Obviously, Canada came out with a very defensive mindset. This is what they're going to take into uh, their qualification campaign come March uh, when they face Mexico. So uh, an opportunity for the United States to try to figure out how to break down a bunkered-in team. They ultimately managed to find the goal, and you got to give them credit for that, and it's a good cross by Finley beating his man, uh, getting inside right foot uh, back post to Josie Outdoor. Good stuff on the finish as well. So that'll be on the table for us to talk about here in a couple of minutes. Meanwhile, in England, Leicester City beats Manchester City 3-1 to to open up a five-point lead. At the top of the Premier League table, Liverpool giving away a two-goal lead and a 2-2 home draw against Sunderland. Spurs in second place now uh, with a one nothing win over Watford. Kieran Trippier scoring his first goal for Spurs in that victory, uh, a game that uh, was not necessarily reflected by the, by the, uh, by the scoreline. Uh, Spurs obviously the better team there. Arsenal's get, Arsenal gets goals from Mesut Ozil and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, 17 months in the making on that goal to win 0-2 away to Bournemouth. So they maintain that tie on points with Spurs in second place, but are behind on the first tiebreaker. Chelsea with a stoppage time goal from Diego Costa uh, to get a to get a one point to get uh, sorry to get a point against Manchester United at Stamford Bridge. Um, the uh, Manchester United had gone up um, had gone up on a, uh, a fantastic goal. Who scored that goal? I, I didn't write that one down. I should have had that. I, and it just, just went out of my head. So I apologize for that. But Manchester nodded up a goal, and Chelsea comes back with a, uh, a late equalizer uh, in stoppage time. There you go. Lindegaard scored that goal. Uh, Lindegaard scored that goal. So uh, Chelsea with a stoppage time goal from Diego Costa nearly, nearly, stuck, uh, nearly grabbed three points when Costa had another chance in stoppage time. Uh, but uh, uh, but they do get one point against Manchester United. Juventus general manager Beppe Morata is urging Massimiliano Allegri to think twice about taking an offer from Chelsea of the Premier League. Allegri is reportedly a target of Chelsea as they look to replace interim manager Goose Hinnick going into next season. Uh, Morata says that Allegri is already at quote unquote a top club, and this is uh, Morata has uh, Allegri has one year left on his contract. Morata is basically trying to outline a situation where. He makes it clear that Juve is just as good of a job as Chelsea. Uh, I don't know. I've not yet heard about Allegri's potential interest in the Chelsea job. And while he's still in charge of Juve, probably not the best thing for him to do to talk about uh, going to Chelsea. Uh, but this has been out there in the news, uh, a link between the two. And also a link between former Juve manager, currently uh, current inter- uh, Italian national team manager, uh, Antonio Conte, as well with Chelsea. So... Maybe, uh, maybe Abramovich looking Italian, and and probably this is all because of Claudio Ranieri, right? I mean, is it wrong to make a link between what Leicester City is doing, Claudio Ranieri, 
and and what maybe uh, <laughs> what maybe Chelsea is looking to do. I'm 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 only half kidding. I mean, both both Allegri and Conti are excellent managers who deserve that job on their own merits, regardless of where they come from. Uh, but but you do see an interesting trend here with the Italian influence hitting the Premier League. The top two teams in Germany both held to goalless draws on the weekend in their respective matches. Hertha Berlin kept Dortmund off the board, uh, while Bayern Munich was blanked by Bayer Leverkusen. Both those games 0-0, as I mentioned. Schalke with a 3-0 win over Wolfsburg. Stuttgart gets a crucial win 2-4 on the road at Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayern Munich. Uh, in the standings, rather, Bayern Munich remains eight points up on Dortmund. Very unlikely that we're going to see any kind of real title uh, fight in, in Germany, uh, but you do obviously have some intrigue down the table, certainly in the uh, in the relegation battle. Stuttgart again with a crucial win to get themselves uh, a little bit of breathing room when it comes to the relegation places. Meanwhile, down in Mexico, Pachuca gets a late equalizer from Omar Gonzalez, the Americans' first goal since joining the Tuzos. Uh, as they draw against Pumas uh, 1-1. The draw keeps Tuzos uh, unbeaten in the early going of the Liga MX Clasura. They are uh, unbeaten through five on 11 points. Meanwhile, Monterrey, with a 3-0 win against Dorados, uh, is on top with 12 points uh, in Liga MX. Monterrey opened up a new stadium last August and have not lost there, uh, taking down Dorados most recently. Chivas USA, I'm sorry, Chivas USA, wow, Chivas de Guadalajara, the, the real Chivas, the one that exists still, uh, remains winless after a 1-1 draw against Toluca. Uh, just never, can't figure out how to get it right there at, at Chivas de Guadalajara. All right, so we've got Germany, we've got Mexico, we've got Italy, we've got England, we've got Spain. I didn't get to any results there, but certainly there's things to talk about. Real Madrid, maybe not impressive on, uh, on their weekend. We've got the U.S. men's national team who played on uh, Friday night. Um, Americans playing abroad. So many things to talk about here on a Monday morning at World Soccer Talk. Well, nope, that's not where we are anymore. I see it's still in my head. It's going to take a little while. Here at backheel.com, soccer morning on a Monday. Stay there. Be right back. We'll take your phone calls. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Back on Soccer Morning, backheel.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm messing around with some things, some audio situations. Get the right identifications here on, on a Monday. I am um, I am partaking of, I don't do this often, partaking of the energy drink today. Uh, it was a late night for me. I was up later than I would usually be on a Sunday night. There was a football game of the other kind yesterday, if you weren't aware. I don't know how you would not be aware even if you don't like that kind of football. But, yeah, it happened. And it happened to be that my team was playing, and it happened to be that they won. So so I need a little extra boost here today. Hopefully you've got your coffee or whatever uh, gets you going on a Monday morning. Give me a call, 646-832-3909. The, the, the problem with the Friday U.S. Men's National Team game, and especially that, that, that we kicked off that game at, what, 1030, 1045? On the East Coast, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing the bitching East Coast guy thing. I'm just saying, because of when it happened and the day it happened, it is now ancient history in terms of what's in my mind. And not just because of the American football game yesterday, but just because of the English uh, English soccer I watched on the weekend, uh, because of, of general life things that happened on the weekend. To go all the way back to Friday night at 11 o'clock, to try to remember what the United States did in that game against Canada. I mean, if the game had actually mattered to anything, like if it was a meaningful game, it was a World Cup qualifier, of course. We probably have a lot of notes on it. Uh, people have watched the highlights and, and reviewed the tape several different times, depending on how nerdy you are. But at this, in this case, because it's a friendly, and the second of a, uh, of a pair of friendlies coming out of the January camp, I'm not sure we have a whole lot of insight here. I mean, I've, I've read the write-ups. I've read the, you know, the takes on 
the performance. And basically what everybody is saying is the United States created a bunch of shots but didn't really do anything until Josie Yachter scored the goal off of uh, Ethan Finley's cross. There wasn't, it was, it was, you know, drab and dreary otherwise. I mean, it's not as though the United States didn't take shots or didn't at least do something in the attacking end. It's just they weren't clinical. They weren't ruthless. They weren't, they didn't have that edge. And, and this is a thing that has come up over and over again with the United States for the last couple of years. That there's not, there's not that killer instinct for the U.S. men's national team. Well, there's not a player there who can be the one that pushes the team to take on that killer instinct. There doesn't seem to be anybody. And, like, Josie Outdoor can score goals on his day when he is confident, when he is fit, when things are clicking, when he's getting good service. Josie Outdoor will score goals. In fact, saw a stat, don't have the exact numbers. Josie Outdoor, the fastest to how many goals does he have in his national team career? It's in the 30s, right? Josie Outdoor, the fastest to whatever number of goals he has of anybody in American soccer history. So, in terms of the men's national team, obviously. So, you obviously you, you know that Landon Donovan is the all time leading scorer for the U.S. Men, men's national team. Josie Outdoor has 33 goals. In the, he's the fastest player in terms of games played, to 33 goals in the history of the U.S. men's national team. That's, I, I mean, I think that's notable. I, I, I find it fascinating that, that there is this perception that Josie Altidore has been a, a disappointment at the international level. Would, you, would anybody disagree with the statement that in terms of the general public's perception, Josie Outdoor has been a disappointment for the U.S. men's national team. I I, I want to make sure I'm not building a straw man here. If I'm wrong about this, if I'm wrong about the perception of Josie, let me know. But I, I think at least right now, and, and sometimes this ebbs and flows a little bit depending on how the team is playing and how Josie is playing. But I get the sense that right now, People, in terms of his entire, his entire U.S. men's national team career, think of Josie Outdoor as a disappointment. Maybe because he was built up. Maybe because he cost $10 million for Villarreal. Maybe because of all those things. He hasn't met exactly what we're, what we expect. But the guy's got 33 goals for the U.S. men's national team. That's pretty good. He's number four all time by himself. He has more goals than Brian McBride, Joe Max Moore, Bruce Murray. By the way, number eight on that list is Eddie Johnson. I don't I don't know if anybody would pick that. I I I just think it's it and, and I'm not trying to build up Josie and say we're wrong about him. We might be a little bit, but but I'm just saying that it's it's fascinating to me that there is a disconnect between our perception of Josie Outdoor and what these numbers tell you. At least in terms, again, in terms of the history of the U.S. men's national team. Not that, uh, and this is a reflection of the national team program. It's a reflection of our history, which is relatively short, competing on a significant international level. I mean, Bruce Murray has more goals than that if he plays in the modern era, right? Bruce Murray has 21 goals, had 21 goals in 85 caps. His career was from 85 to 93 in terms of the U.S. men's national team. Didn't make the 94 World Cup. So if Bruce Murray played in a modern context, a modern U.S. soccer context, he probably has more goals than 21. If the United States had played serious international soccer for 100 years or, or 70 years or whatever, these numbers are different. Maybe Landon Donovan's not even the all-time leading goal scorer. Maybe not. So you have to take that into account when you look at this list and go, okay, well, look, Landon, Clint, Eric Winalda, Josie Altidore, and Josie Altidore is about to, to catch Eric Winalda. Well, he's one go back. And remember remember how momentous it was when Donovan caught Eric Winalda? And now you have, not only do you have Donovan on 57 goals, leading all-time goal scorer for the U.S. men's national team, you have Clint Dempsey on 48, 14 goals beyond Eric Winalda's to- uh, total. And then Josie Altidore, who is still active. So so is Clint. Josie Altidore, 
33 goals, 91 caps. Brian McBride scored 30 goals in 95 caps. If I asked you, before I gave you these numbers, if I had asked you who was the better goal scorer for the U.S. men's national team, Brian McBride or Josie Altador, I guarantee you 85 people out of 100 are going to say Brian McBride. 646-832-3909 is your phone number here. We'll work you in on whatever you got here on a Monday. Again, it's uh, wide open. But you've got uh, the Premier League situation, Leicester City Football Club. Good God. What is happening? I'm trying to reconcile what Leicester City is doing and the very real chance they have to win a Premier League title with the fact that we live in an era that in terms of European soccer is marked almost completely by how much money you spend. And we, we celebrate what's the what's the Szymanski book? Soccernomics. We celebrate soccernomics, right? Because of the 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 work, the data the data that was used to create conclusions about how to put together a winning soccer club, right? But in the end, what is that book's message? You spend more money, you win more games. That that's the that's that's the conclusion that is drawn. You you spend more money, you win more games. And here you have Leicester City, whose entire payroll is is less than the transfer fee for pretty much any player that Manchester City has. And they beat Manchester City 3-1 yesterday, or sorry, Saturday. They go top of the table, uh, uh, they're five points clear at the top of the table. It's just astounding. It is astounding what they're doing right now. Aaron, true or false, Leicester City winning the Premier League title this year, should it happen, is the greatest story in team sports history over a full season. Easy true. Yeah. Uh, I think this is one of the more remarkable, um, you know, kind of team events over a course of a whole year um, in, in sports. I mean, it, it's the equivalent of, uh, I would say, probably when Boise State won. I mean, you know, when, you know, when these, these kind of almost, um, I mean, it's, it's not left field. It's like they weren't even like in the same town's parking lot yeah. about the stadium. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it, it's like, I mean, you know, if you look at it and it really speaks to, you know, when people, you know, talk about, well, coaching and chemistry and playing as a team and all that kind of rah-rah old school stuff doesn't really matter. It's like, sure it does. Cause you want to see a team that is in its own slow death. Look at man city. All those players are scampering, figuring out where their next move is. Pep's hey, going to come in. You know what, Aaron? Blow the place up. You know what? You know you what know? Manchester City reminds me of. I, I don't know uh, how far back. I'm sure you do. Some people might not go this far back, but those those Red Sox teams that were put together yeah, in the late seventies, totally. early, and they talk about twenty five players, twenty five cabs. That's Manchester yep, that's City. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And 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 whereas you see Leicester City coming in. I mean, these guys would take a bullet for Claudio Ranieri right yeah. now, and they know he would do the same for them. And and they're now playing. I'll tell you, they beat Arsenal this week. Um, you know, it's not just a, a, a great event. I mean, it's really almost like a signature one. Obviously, after that, there's still 12 matches. Everyone's going to come gunning for them. But it, it really changes kind of – I mean, I'll be honest. I think this is one of those things – that's bigger than soccer football. I think this is one of those that if you own a sports team or any kind of entertainment platform and somebody says we can't, and I don't know how, I mean, you just got to look and say, well, how did they do that? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this didn't fall from the sky. People didn't hand this to these guys. I mean, they woke up every day organizationally and said, look, we don't have, you know, 250 million to spend, you know, this off season. We have, you know, what, 12 million to spend. I mean, you look at the cost of this team, it's like less than like, you know, Sterling. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, Sterling no, yeah. costs more than the whole team. Speaking of speaking you of uh, speaking of, of so they got Arsenal next, you identified that they got Arsenal on Sunday. That's obviously massive, uh, both for Leicester's chances to win the title and also for for Arsenal getting themselves back uh, close enough, uh, touching 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 distance to to believe that they have a chance. This is what Leicester has after Arsenal. They are home to Norwich the, a week later. They are actually, yeah, it's two weeks later. There must be an FA Cup weekend in between. So they're home to Norwich um, in their next league match, home to West Brom, away to Watford, home to Newcastle, away to Palace, home to Southampton. I'm just going down. I'm into April now. Away to Sunderland, home to West Ham, home to Swansea. Away to United, Manchester United on April 30th with uh, two weeks to go. So that, you know, by then we'll, we may know already. Then they're home to, to Everton and away to Chelsea. I mean, between, between the Arsenal game and the Manchester United game, give me one game that they're not favorites in. Well, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, in the end, they're going to be favorites in almost all those. And I think what's going to really be smart is the way, uh, you know, Ranieri's going to know the, the trap games and he's going to play those for, for a result. He's going to play them for a point. And, you know, and just, you know, if he has that lead five, six points going into the back end and, you know, any of those games that start feeling a little squirrely, mm-hmm. he's just going to play them for a result. And, you know, the thing that I think is most uh, underappreciated, is I would say his results this year are probably the number one reason you have a complete decimation of these, you know, the greatest managers in the world all happening one after the other. I mean, he's rolling these guys, you know, and I would, I would put Wenger in there too, because I actually don't think, I think it's a good shot. Arsenal doesn't qualify for champions. And even though they don't do anything for champions, it's kind of like their version of getting to the playoffs every year. Like, uh, um, Marvin uh, Lewis does in Cincinnati, right? <laughs> yeah, right? It's like right. over seven, but he's there yeah. every year. Yeah. And if they don't get in, he's gone. So we're talking about one team that knocks out Wenger, potentially Mourinho, Van Gaal, uh, you know, Pellegrini. I mean, just talk about rolling the league. It's, it's, it's actually huge. And, and, and the only answer other teams have is what you, you bring in Mourinho to, to, to United. How, how do you think that's going to work out? In the next yeah, I can't months, believe that. Right? If, if that happens, I mean, again, I've said this several times. That is a repudiation of everything that United claims to stand for. Now, I know a lot of this is posturing, especially in a modern context. It was true of Barcelona. It's going to be true of Manchester United if they hire Mourinho. It's already done, really. They already are a different club since since Ferguson retired. But you, you bring in Mourinho, and you are completely selling yourself down the river on all of that stuff. I think United is done. I mean, I, I think they obviously have a business platform that generates a quarter billion a year called Manchester United jersey and gear and so on and teams in, in you know, uh, uh, you know, off season friendlies and all that. But, you know, as a, as a, as a reference, you know, team that everyone says, Oh, watch them this year. I think they're done. I actually do. And, I, and I'll tell you who's right behind them. I think Arsenal, I think what's going on is the old guard definition, which is the great managers trading on the name you know, you kind of had that in a lot of sports. I think, I think this new world is flipping that upside down. And the way you can compose teams, I'll tell you one thing. If they keep, you know, Ranieri and this team of Mares and Vardy come back and they're able to put maybe their own trident together, I'll tell you, they can do some significant damage the way the, you know, the prem is structured because they're really playing very un-Premier League-like football. Yeah. Well, and it, it was, it they was, can, they can, they can disrupt Europe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was worth, it, you know, it was, it was, it was pointed out by people. I was sort of half watching the game on Saturday, so I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't analyzing it tactically. It's not my strong suit anyway, but I watched, uh, you know, I was watching Twitter at the same time. Lots of people pointing out, you know, they, they were victimizing. City had the ball. I mean, the city dominated possession, but that wasn't necessarily an indication of how the game was going. Because Ranieri and, and Leicester City had an idea how they wanted to play, and they, they took their, you know, it, we say take their chances like that's such an easy thing to do, and it's clearly not. But if you're going to play that way, you need players like Vardy and Mares who are going to finish the few chances that you get or, or pull off the spectacular occasionally. And they have identity, and, and I would say that's the number one thing. And actually, it's funny that you brought up uh, Josie Altidore is kind of, you know, uh, earlier, is that 
I, I think the question is, is that when a team or a player is given identity versus kind of earns identity, then that sticks with them. And I think Leicester City right now has identity. I think Josie Altador has identity. And I think the identity we have with some of these things is what we're left seeing, you know, the moments we have with them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I would say that, you know, if, if you want to talk about, you know, Josie for a minute, um, you know, I think our identity with Josie is he disappears for six, nine months at a, at a, at a clip. You know, he, he, you know, he got his hamstring injury, which is too bad, actually, because um, I think he might have made a difference in, in you know, in, in, uh, in the World Cup last year. But, but I, I would say that that's the problem is he'll, 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 he'll score 20 more goals. He might even get the record. But it turns into like one of those, you know, kind of records that we won't pay attention to anymore because uh, uh, our identity okay. with the guy will be all these kind of moments. Yeah, yeah. and that's years. fascinating. Fasted because and there's always that guy. I mean, in every sport, and obviously as Americans, we're tuned into so many stinking sports. There's always that guy who's you know he's on the the, the in the top ten for the most uh, for the most points in NBA history. He's in the he's in the top ten for home runs. He's in the top ten for touchdown passes. And you're like that guy's there. Like really, that guy? I don't really feel as though he belongs there. And I'm not saying that I don't really feel that about Josie completely. Again, the, the history of the national team matters, Aaron, but there's going to be people who are going to look at that and go, really, Josie, really? Well, you, you know, I'll give you a great example of that. Vinny Testaverde, okay, who put an go. enormous amount of stats together in his career. But when you kind of sit there and scratch your head, like was he ever one of the top five to ten quarterbacks any of his 20 seasons he played it's like no and and that's all right but then don't really say that that guy was the difference maker you know even though he now i will say this there is a identity to a guy who's a survivor a fighter who kind of you know is always there and i would say one of the things i will give josie credit for if he's able to really get through the next you know three four years as a national team player is his ability to fight when everyone's down and against him. And if you do that for 10 or 15 years, that is real. And that is a resilience you are teaching other players on your team. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I would say that's something he has going for him. But at the end of the day, his production, especially club level, is so funky that it just becomes like an asterisk almost. You know, and, and I think I think I think Klinsman has no idea what to do with this guy. Yeah. Because a, he can't get him to play in a club. He punches him in because he doesn't have anything better. It's just kinda like a like a long term stopgap, you know, which you know, no one likes that in their lives. Yeah. Hey hey Aaron, uh, I got a couple people waiting. Um just yep. po- pointing this out. Uh Josie Outstore, eighteen of his thirty three goals in friendlies. I don't know what the breakdown is for the other guys in the top five, but it's worth pointing out that, you know, that's that's a little bit more than half of his goals coming against, you know, a competition that's, that's not. I think Pele had about 250 goals <laughs> in friendlies. <laughs> so, and I would say Eusebio had about another 100 and change. Sure. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But then you better, you know, the other three out of four goals better be, you know, like delivering. So. Yeah. All right, Aaron, I appreciate the call, man. Good chat as always. Thank you. Aaron in Absolutely. Jersey. Uh, calling in a soccer morning. Let's move on. B- patiently waiting Jacob in Missouri. Jacob will give you your time as well. What's up? Thank you. All right. Um, I want to sort of further the Drizzy Altador conversation a little bit. Um, just in the extent of how Americans are viewed when they perform in Europe, where I feel like Clint Dempsey, because of almost sort of the folk hero that he was at Fulham, for however many years, is viewed on almost a different echelon than someone of Dizzy Asnor, who had the you know, awful stint at Sunderland. Mm-hmm. And I think that dramatically changes how you're viewed in the American public. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We, it's not just what you do. And this is why, even though he's the all-time leading goal scorer, even though he was so crucial to, to so much of what the U.S. did, even Landon Donovan doesn't escape from some stigma of not reaching his full potential, right? Because he didn't stick it out in Europe. Yeah, I mean, I would say that those lone stints in Everton were at least some sort of, like, attempt, some sort of vague apology for not having done it in Europe, you know, consistently for years. Yeah, I, I, I think that 
for some people, he went to Everton and proved he could play on that level, and that and, and that they did take away some of the, uh, you know, some of the 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 the, mis- the bad perception of of what he could do, and and maybe his toughness and those you know those sort of subjective things we like to judge athletes on. But but yeah, when it comes to Josie, there's no doubt at all that Joe, Josie's inability to succeed at the Premier League level, which again is is partly him, a large part him, but also partly that team, which was an absolute disaster, is part of why we as as national team fans do not appreciate him fully or, or do not celebrate him fully. Now, I will say on the positive end of Josie Altidore's career, though, is I think for so many people, I mean, Josie Altidore was brought really into the national team at 18 years old. I mean, Josie Altidore is approaching a decade of consistent play with the national team. And I think that he has been so inconsistent at times that it's created this really exhausting relationship where you see phenomenal potential and then you see red cards, you see hamstring injuries, you can you see inconsistent play. But still, you know, you look at him and where he's at in his career and realize that he's only 26 and he's going to be around for the next World Cup and we're going to be questioning him like we're doing Clint Dempsey now in 2022. You know, I think yeah. he's got such a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, uh, you know, just uh, to finish up, that's the, 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 I mentioned that stat about uh, 33 goals. And again, Trevor pointing out that, you know, 18 of those goals came uh, in friendlies. And, I, and I, I don't have, you know, I don't have Donovan's breakdown. I don't have, uh, I, don't, I don't have Dempsey's breakdown of friendly goals. And I don't have um, Winalda's breakdown of friendly goals. But he yeah. is, uh, like I said, the fastest American to 33 goals in 91 games. So uh, that, it, it means something. You got anything else, uh, Jacob, before I let you go? No, don't. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good stuff from uh, Jacob in in Missouri. Speaking of Missouri, I do want to talk a little bit more about St. Louis here in a couple minutes. Roberto, up in Connecticut, you're on the air. What's up? Hey, Jason. Good morning. Good morning, sir. I'm good. I'm good. How was your weekend? I'm doing well. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Can't I can't argue with that. Um, sticking to my question about uh, La Liga and the Premier League, uh, Barcelona was able to get the victory against Levante over the weekend, and now they're three points above Atletico Madrid and four points above Real Madrid. In the Premier League, we have uh, Leicester City, um, sorry, five points yeah, above five points uh, Spurs and Arsenal and also six points above uh, Manchester City. So my question to you is, if the way the league is currently, with the league currently at what they're at at the moment, which league do you think is going to finish um, uh, earlier? Uh, well, Barcelona still has a game in hand, right? Yes. All right. So they're three points up on on Atleti. They have a game in hand. I don't know who that's against. I imagine it's probably Gihon. Sporting Gihon. Okay. So you that the, you know, the, uh, you know anybody but Atleti, but, but Atleti, uh, Madrid, or maybe you know one of other you know a, a random chance that they could drop points against somebody else. Um, you expect them to get three out of that. So that you know, let's. I'm not saying it's a given, but let's assume a six point lead for Barcelona. The way things have gone at Real Madrid, and I don't mean that there are, that things are disastrous. I just don't know with this change of manager and the way things have have gone there, and some of the um, upset in the, in the in the locker room and everything. I don't think that they have a run in them. Certainly, I don't expect them to catch. I don't expect them to catch Barcelona, considering they're more likely to drop points. Right? Atleti could make it a fight. Yeah. I mean, it is a fight right now. Atleti could make it a fight, but I. I think we're going to end up seeing i think we're going to i mean you know and i just went over leicester city's uh, uh schedule for the rest of the year or much of it and they don't have a lot that you can imagine is going to be a test but it's the premier league and it's par- more parity involved in that league than la liga i think la liga gets done first all right yeah but um say say for example leicester beat uh, arsenal next week that uh-huh. would put them on a six point gap it, it would oh, sorry not a six point gap uh yeah, gap, right? it, it would have them eight points up on Arsenal, depending. You know, Spurs would st- still maybe in second. I don't know who Spurs has next weekend, but let's say Spurs wins, that puts Spurs on fifty-two. Manchester City. Oh, they got City. Okay, well, that's that's obviously a massive game for a lot of reasons. Um, even if Spurs has an eight-point lead, uh, they, I don't think it. Well, I guess it could still be eight points. Even if they have an eight-point lead, or, or Leicester has an eight-point lead on on the rest of the field. 
I still think we're likely to see them, you know, run up against somebody who holds holds them uh, holds them on the road. I just think there's more points for more chance for them to drop points than there is for somebody like Barcelona. So even if Barcelona's lead is smaller, I think Barcelona is going to eventually start stretching things out in a way that Leicester City is not going to be able to do. You see Leicester City as champions? I hope so, man. I hope so. I mean, how great would it be? It'd be great. Amazing, amazing. I mean, I I, I asked Aaron this when he got on the line, and I'll, and I'll put it to you, Roberto. Is there another? And I'm talking about all the sports. And obviously, in an American context, we've got our big three or big four, depending on how you want to look at it. There are obviously uh-huh. sports I'm not knowledgeable uh, knowledgeable about, like cricket and rugby and and stuff like that. I mean, those are legitimate sports. I just don't know them. But for you, is would there be a bigger story? in team sports over the course of a full season. I'm not talking about a short run like the U.S. hockey team in 80. I'm talking about the full season. Would there be a better story than this? Uh, um, the, the Royals, I guess? I, I, don't, I mean, I, don't know. I, I thought about that too, right? I put the Royals. I, but then again, baseball, even baseball, and I know the Yankees can outspend everybody three times over if they want to. But even baseball doesn't allow for the same sort of ridiculous stretching of the of the talent and the and the salaries and how much you spend as 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 European football does. I, I mean, yeah, the Royals are an amazing story, but they and they built that up over a couple of years, right? I mean, you kind of yeah. knew the Royals were coming because we heard about their their farm system was good and they had some talent coming through and they were. You know they managed to hold on to a couple of guys that you didn't maybe expect them to hold on to in free agency, so we kind of knew the Royals were coming. I don't think anybody knew that the Foxes were coming. No, definitely. But I'm trying to like make comparison in regards to the schedule that both the Premier League has and the different American league. And the only one that comes up to mind is probably an NHL or an NBA. Yeah, well, the other ones start yeah, the, the, the much length, earlier. The length of the season, um, you know, is, is a is a is a part of this. But I mean, this is. For for me, Leicester City, and if again they if they win, if it's if they don't win, it's a really great story, but it's not quite the same. Even if they make even if they make the Champions League, that's still yeah, that's still that's still a remarkable story. But but it wouldn't be the greatest of all time. But if if they do win, I mean, I'm talking about like I'm trying to think of a uh, of a of a comparison here that hasn't happened, and I'm thinking like, oh man, I, I mean, I'm thinking like the, the Brown next year. You know, the Browns are about to cut Johnny Manziel. They have a terrible team. They changed coaches like six times the past six years. If the Browns went for, <laughs> the Browns went 14 and two and won the Super Bowl next year, that's what we're talking about. And, and even then, it's still the NFL and parody still reigns on some level. You just wouldn't expect it. But I mean, it, it, it would be that kind of story. Somebody said on Twitter this weekend after I put out, is Lester the best story ever if they win? So he's like, oh, the Warriors last year was a better story. I was like, are you serious? No. Not even close. The Warriors are a great team, a great story. I love the Warriors. Steph Curry is unbelievable, but it's not even that's not even the same ballpark. There are people comparing the Warriors to Barcelona. Well, I mean that's that's a matter of style and and you know obviously having a transcendent talent or two. Uh, I mean right now, I mean, Steph Steph Curry's Steph Curry in terms of team sports. Because I don't know that Messi is quite... I mean, he, he certainly has other people helping him out. He's still an amazing player. But in terms of the one guy on a, in, in a team sport who is more dominant than any other player in his sport, I think maybe Steph Curry is beyond Messi at this point. Or j- just mm-hmm. a hair. You know, maybe just a hair. But that's that's a fun conversation to have. Definitely. All right. Thanks, Jason. All right, man. Roberto up in Connecticut. Good stuff from him. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. I mean, let's 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 talk about that. The the Leicester City story. I mean, how how much how quickly will every movie studio out there rush to make the Leicester City story? And, and I have a I have a thing about sports stories being made into movies. I feel as though there has to be a significant time dis a time gap. We we a certain amount of time has to have passed. A minimum amount of time, maybe, has to have passed before a sports movie is going to have any sort of real impact. Like, if if something happened, 
If something happens now, you can't make a sports movie about it next year or five years from now or even 10 years from now. You should be waiting like 20 years to give it proper context, to give us time to to really put that event, whatever it was, into the proper context. And by, I guess by when I say movie, I mean a fictionalized version or a, um, you know, a scripted version. I don't mean a documentary. Because a documentary is, you can make one of those any time. It'd be great. Mike on Twitter, this is the Angels in the outfield situation. <laughs> this, this is the Cleveland Indians in Major League right here. That's what this is. They were on the verge. I mean, seriously, they were on the verge of moving to Miami. They were, they were, they were signing rejects. Nobody wanted. They were not even supposed to be in the league, basically, with those players. Certainly not supposed to be competing with anybody good. And they made it all the way. I don't, th- I don't think that the Indians won the World Series in that season of Major League, right? What do we get? The, the, the end of the, the, the movie is they beat the Yankees in the playoffs or something, right? I mean, I remember the bunt from Jake Taylor. I just, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm just trying to remember if they left it open-ended. Leicester City. If they win the Premier League, I mean, I'm not prone to hyperbole. I'm prone to trying to pull us back from hyperbole. That's my instinct. My instinct isn't to say, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing of all time. My instinct is to say, wait a second. Hold on. What about this thing? What about that thing? Let's put this. let's, Let's be clear here. We're not we're not overrating something because it's more recent than something else. And I guess reach back into the annals of of. English football, European football. I mean, you, you know, when, when we talk about, like, hey, Nottingham Forest won, won Europe, like, that, that was mind-boggling considering the context we live in now. But at the time, the European, uh, the European tournament wasn't what it is now. It, it wasn't the same sort of thing. And, and certainly football, soccer wasn't the business it is now players didn't move like they do now there was i mean that that team that nottingham force team i'm guaranteeing was almost entirely british probably 100 percent british i mean the 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 situation has changed so much that you almost reach a point where you can't compare eras so if we're going to separate eras we're going to say well the, the conditions were so different then and how you even put a team together to the how they are now so you can't compare then we look at Leicester City and what they're doing. And again, within the context of a Premier League where Manchester City has come in and, and rolled off two of the last three titles or, or three of the last four titles, whatever it is, because they spent a lot of money. I mean, let's be honest about that. Even even Manchester City fans will tell you that the reason that they won titles is because a guy with a lot of oil money came in and, and spent it. Chelsea, a club who rose to prominence because they were purchased by an oligarch who spent a lot of money. Manchester City, I'm sorry, Manchester United is a legacy team with a lot of history that um, you know is a juggernaut in terms of the money they generate. Arsenal, you know, a hundred years of relevance and 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 a you know recent recent success in England in terms of titles. The, and therefore a juggernaut in terms of the money. Certainly, you know, it's so fascinating to watch Arsenal fans wring their hands over the lack of spending for Arsenal and talk about the money and everything else when it comes to that club. And yet they are so far better off than almost everybody else that you kind of want to say shut up. But, but you get it because within the top four context, Arsenal needs to spend to keep up. They need to spend to win a title. They need to spend to win in Europe. Leicester not they don't spend. This isn't this isn't This isn't Yankees Red Sox and the Red Sox beat the Yankees and oh my god it's a mild tiny little upset because the payrolls are split by a couple million bucks. Or 10 million bucks, which is a lot for us but for them a drop in the bucket. This isn't, this isn't even, again, the Royals are a great story, but this isn't even the Royals. This is be well beyond that for me. I, and I, I don't have an example. I mean, Aaron said Boise State. That's a pretty good one, actually. I, I want to, like, 
if Gonzaga or Butler, somebody threw out Butler the other day, making the, the, the championship game, and, and that's, that's pretty good. That is, that's pretty good. Now, obviously, college basketball, you're not supposed to be, it's not about spending money, or you're not supposed to spend money. It's not about spending money. It's about uh, recruiting and, and everything else. But, but considering the advantages that a team, uh, uh, sorry, Bo, a team like Duke has over everybody else, for Butler to be even, to even be there against Duke shows you how much overachieving Butler has done. And maybe that's close. Maybe it is. I mean, I go back locally here. We had George Mason making the Final Four. Was that 2006? I mean, I don't even think college, maybe college is the wrong track. Maybe we should be focused on professionals. Uh, Fernando, Portland Timbers 2015, below the red line in September, no all-stars, small market and budget. Uh, again, it's not. Uh, Fernando, I understand what you're, what you're, what you're saying. Trevor's saying, to be fair, Lester has spent 27, what, 27 million? Okay. 27 million pounds. It's more money than a lot of, it's more money than Watford spends, I'm sure. But again, 23 million, 27 million pounds. And really, what we're talking about, what? Investing, well, whatever. Lester spending 27 million pounds. In comparison, give me a percentage breakdown as to what that is to what United spent on Martial and uh, a couple other players that they brought in. Or Daily Blend, even. So, some, I mean, again, this is, it's not that Lester is, Poor. That's not the the. That's not the argument. Is that in relation to the clubs that are supposed to win titles, they are working with a different set of tools. I, I don't think that's why I don't think Portland works for them though, because that's not a different set of tools. Portland got in, and once the playoffs began, everybody's got a clean slate. You're on the same level. Leicester has had to do this over the course of 25 games. What? How many games are we into the Premier League ta- uh, season right now? 22 in Spain, 25. Yeah, hey, it was right. Mike Bashoff says the 85 Villanova Wildcats. And you could pull out, again, you could pull out some some college stuff. I think those those stories feel like they fit better, maybe. And again, you know, there, there may be some examples in other sports that I just don't have, I don't have the knowledge of. And And, and there may even be, there may even be a, 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 a example. I mean, you know, it's not it, it's not Blackburn, but it feels a little bit black like Blackburn, right? I don't know. I don't know. We don't. We don't. And we don't even have to. The fun of this is that we don't have to label it. The fun of the fun of this is that we just get to watch it unfold. The fun of this is that we continually are amazed by everything that they do. Because it defies our expectations every single time. And maybe it shouldn't. Maybe we should be sitting here going, oh, this is just who Lester is now. Lester is this team. They punch above their weight. They're Little Mac against Mike Tyson in Punch-Out. And you know what? It's, it's possible. Little Mac can win. I've never beat Tyson myself. But Little Mac can win. We shouldn't be surprised, and yet we are surprised. It's the same thing. It's a little bit the same thing, in a different. It's a different flavor, as when Lionel Messi does something amazing. That maybe we haven't seen that exact thing before, but we know how amazing Lionel Messi is. And every time he scores a goal, every time he weaves his way through four players, and scores an amazing goal. We go, oh my God, that's amazing. I am so surprised by that thing that this amazing player just, how are we still surprised? I think the greatest trick that Leo Messi ever pulled was continually, continually surprising us with his greatness. Because once you establish that he's great, I mean, this is the magic of a, of a superior athlete, of a dominant athlete. Steph, Steph Curry's doing it now, by the way, to go back to him. The magic of a superior athlete is that he always one-ups himself and surprises us. Let's go to Robert in L.A. What's up, Robert? Hey, good morning, Jason. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, I wanted to call about the, the U.S. against Canada, and one of the things uh, about 
Jermaine Jones being play, uh, played at center back. And over the weekend, like, you know, a lot of people were surprised. And, like, you know, I read some, uh, some of the soccer media write about it saying that was like, but don't you remember this happened last year when, uh, in the last January camp when U.S. went to play Chile? And then he had, he had a bad game then. And then he had off-season surgery and he was gone for, like, two months. So then he kind of didn't play for, like, in the, the rest friendlies. And now it's happening again. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. And also, if I'm a, if Jermaine Joe doesn't find a club, I know with the suspension, it makes it hard and Klinsman putting him in the shop window. If he doesn't get, uh, like a club, or do you think it's pretty much like a waste, a waste of time that has happened? Um, I mean, I could argue that it's a waste of time, Robert. I, I don't get it necessarily, but I think that Klinsman is pretty desperate to keep Jermaine Jones as part of his team. Doesn't it seem that way? I mean, doesn't it seem as though he's pretty desperate to keep Jermaine Jones and that leadership in that side? I will agree with that. I mean, that, but you got um, uh, go ahead. you got younger people. You got Mike. You got Michael Bradley in the midfield that can that can fill that leadership role. Well, you would think so, but I think that Klinsman likes a couple of things about Jermaine Jones. One, he likes his German background. I think that Klinsman is pretty adamant about having, you know, what he views as the proper football upbringing in that club. I mean, in that team. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong uh, of a thing to want. I mean, certainly there's some value to the experience that Jermaine Jones brings. And two, I think he wants his toughness and his attitude and his fight in there. And sometimes you wonder. The nastiness, yeah, he says. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you wonder. If that stuff is missing from the national team, sometimes. And that, okay, yeah, I agree with that. It's yeah. just I'm a, I just a lot of people were still surprised, and then I don't know like why. I mean, like, if he didn't have that off-season surgery last year, we would have gone through an entire year through this. And I just see it happening. I, I just see like it was like since he had that surgery last year, he was um, a this has just been postponed or delayed one year. Mm. So I can see it happening in. Uh, uh, the Copa America or World Cup qualification matches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what to make of, of Jones at this point, and I don't know how to feel about whether he should be included in, you know, say the Copa America squad. Even, I mean, I think part of me, the rational part of me, thinks that Jermaine Jones on the field in some capacity, probably not uh, center back, but maybe in the midfield, gives the United States a better chance to win, Robert. But the other part of me, and this is more emotional, I think, wants us to move on from Jermaine Jones. That's it. We're done. Thank you very much for playing. We'll see us. You know, thanks. Your 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 service has been noted. Here's a you know here's a box of chocolates. Have have a nice career. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, can I ask you one more thing, Jason? Is that okay? Yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> hey. Uh, also, last night with. Uh... With uh, the Super Bowl and then, like, you know, a lot of people were, uh, I was following Claire Twilman on his Twitter and he was, and you know, the whole term of uh, world champions thing. And then I, uh, Kelly Trump was saying that if he will be offended if an MLS team did that, if, or if MLS did that, you know, like with, with the Portland Cannon, it was all, it was between him and Mary Paulson. They're all going back and forth on Twitter saying, like, world champions thing. I just want, want to know if an MLS actually did that, what would you feel if they actually, Use that well, it would never happen. Okay, look, the reason that certainly okay, it started with baseball. Okay, it's it, it, it's it's all marketing. I mean, let's not let's not act like. I mean, I know I know that 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 always people always want to throw this out as American hubris, and on some level it is American hubris, but it's also about marketing. The reason that the, it's called the World Series and the baseball champions are called the World Champions is because they wanted to make it bigger and more interesting back in 1905. Okay. From there, everybody took their cues from, from baseball. Baseball was the established American sport when football started, when basketball started. I don't know about hockey, but, but certainly those other two sports. So they just took their cue, and now they're going to call themselves world champions. And what they're saying essentially is, we play in the best league in the world, and these are our champions, therefore they are world champions. No, they didn't beat anybody from, uh, from Lithuania or from Brazil in the, in the basketball, uh, area, and they didn't, the football, you know, NFL teams don't have to go and, and, and beat anybody else. They would destroy anybody else, obviously. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's stupid to call them world champions, but I, I just don't get offended by it the way some, some people do. 
MLS would never do it because MLS knows its place. And MLS realizes that the history of the sport at the club level is so far beyond MLS that it's, 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 you can't go back in time to a, to a point where ML, uh, you know, an MLS team or an American soccer team could rightfully claim on some justifiable level that they are the best team in the world. That's never going to happen. Therefore, they would never call themselves world champions. It would be a ridiculous joke and everybody would laugh and yeah. Do you, uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, I'll just say this one more thing. Were, when, in the old NASL back in the 70s and the 80s, do you know if those teams did that? Like, you know, no, when the Cosmos no. won with Pele? No. Did, no I don't know if they use that term. No, 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 no. no. And, and again, it, it's more about the timing that these things started to develop and this, the fact that the, the United, you know, Americans were the only people playing these sports at these levels. And obviously soccer is not that, you know, doesn't fall underneath that heading. So if it does, if soccer is not even remotely close to being our most important sport, and we are not remotely close to, to playing it at the highest level, then we would never begin to imagine that we could call ourselves world champions, or our, we could call our teams world champions. No. no. no okay, it, uh, a, that, I just wanted to ask you that. I do want to get your opinion on that. I hope I didn't uh, push any buttons. No, 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 no. It's not you, Robert. It's uh, first of all, I don't understand why anybody would have that discussion on Twitter. That, that that's one of the dumber discussions I've ever heard of. On Twitter, to be honest with you, because again, it doesn't take into account any of the reasons why American teams are called world champions in other sports. And again, we know it's ridiculous, but it's only over the last, say, 20 years that the world has shrunk small enough that anybody cares. Nobody cared in 1985 that the Royals or the Cardinals, whoever won that year, called themselves world champions. Now they care because we're all paying attention to the same sports across a, a, a world that is shrinking due to digital technology. Yeah, I will agree with that. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite words is always uh, context. Uh, all right, uh, I'll hang up. I, I know you got our calls. Thanks for taking my call, Jason. Right, uh, you have a happy Monday. Appreciate it, Rob. You got me all fired up. I actually don't have any other callers at the moment. I will give you one more shot at this. 646-832-3909 is the phone number. I'm, um, I'm, I'm looking around for anything else to talk about. I mean, we hit on some of the biggest stories um, of right now. Obviously, Leicester City... And, and the way that they're going along here. And, and I'm rooting for them now. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an underdog guy anyway, and now I'm rooting for Leicester City to finish this thing off. Because again, there might not be a better story, uh, that, that I can think of. And, 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 and it is a little painful to know that this probably can't happen in American soccer. That there's not going to be a situation where a team is at such a deficit in terms of spending power, or so far off the radar in terms of winning a championship that we could be surprised like this. It's not, I just don't think it can happen. It doesn't mean that they can't be surprised if, you know, again, Fernando put the Timbers out there. Were they MLS Cup favorites when the season began? No. But if you said to somebody, the Portland Timbers winning MLS Cup or Leicester City winning the Premier League title, which one is less likely Every single person's picking Leicester and probably laughing at the question because we know how MLS works. That, that parody is, goes beyond anything that sort of naturally happens through television contracts in England. That parody is enforced and that the playoffs create an opportunity for anybody to go on a hot streak and win a title. The Colorado Rapids won a, a MLS Cup in 2010. It was a really bad year for MLS, by the way. That's not even that wasn't a surprise. Even that couldn't be categorized as a shock because it's MLS. All right, uh, Bo wants to throw our friend Bo Durr. Rochester Rhinos Open Cup in 1999. No, in those days uh, with fewer teams in MLS, lots of talent out there for Division Two. Yeah, look, the the number of MLS teams competing for the Open Cup was much smaller, gave a better, an easier path. I'm say easier path, a path. For a club like the Rhinos to go win an Open Cup, but still, that is, uh, you know, that's still it's notable, Bo. Even if it doesn't measure up to Leicester City, and again, I think it's interesting to consider the differences between a tournament run and a a full season. This is a full season. This is they are twenty five games in to a thirty eight game schedule, so with thirteen matches to go. They're top of the table by five points and looking like a, a legitimate uh, a title winner. And, and that's, even this is amazing story. And then you put it in a fuller, con it's just fascinating. Fascinating. 
I mean, let me read a little bit here from Ian McIntosh, uh, a guy like who's uh, who writes at ESPN FC. How is this happening? How are Leicester doing this? There are only two possible explanations. One is that we've all been horribly, horribly wrong about the Premier League, and it is still possible for a team of driven, determined footballers assembled for a pittance from the bargain bins to challenge for the title. The other is that a meteorite crashed into the Earth several months ago, vaporizing all of us in an instant and sending our cosmic energy, sending our energy, spinning into an infinite cosmos and a surreal shared consciousness that transcends our understanding of the human soul. After seeing them crush Manchester City, we're leaning towards the latter. I'm with Ian on this. We're all sharing a, a fevered dream. Leicester City winning the Premier League title. All right, that's it. We're done. No more calls. You guys have all... Uh, shut it down. Maybe your coffee ran out. Whatever. Uh, good show today. Thank you very much for calling in. All of you are very smart people, and I appreciate it. Soccer fans are brilliant. We are going to move over Sirius XM FC Channel 85. If you do not have a subscription, you have 56 minutes to go buy one so you can listen to that show because we are going to be hitting all the same themes plus much more over there today. All right. Appreciate uh, appreciate all your input as well on Twitter. Follow us at Soccer morning. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go work on getting our, our, our IDs fixed. Uh, you can, you can like reach out and talk to us, and we will do more soccer tomorrow, right? Soccer tomorrow. Then, see ya. Bye. <laughs>